Welcome. Starting a new series today called Habits. Um, there was a talk show host that had a bodybuilder come be a guest on his show. And uh, he asked the bodybuilder at the beginning, he said, why do you build your muscles? Like, why do you work so hard to build your muscles? And the bodybuilder kind of looked at him and just flexed on the yard. These muscles popping out. Muscles that didn't know were there, right? Most people don't see them, know they're there. So then he said, wow, man, that's amazing. And everybody clapped and they were impressed. And then uh, he said, so what do you use those muscles for? And the bodybuilder kind of looked in and he turned around, gave him a back flex, you know, really impressive. Everybody oohed and on. Okay, that's great, but why exactly do you have those muscles? And of course, the bodybuilder was a little uncertain as to how to answer because he had built those muscles to show them off, right? Um, as we enter a series called Habits, we're going to talk about kind of disciplining our lives and building up our spiritual muscles. And I thought that was a good reminder that we do not build our spiritual muscles, our spiritual disciplines, the things we do as Christians just to show them off to each other about how big our prayer muscles are, how big our going to church muscles are, or how big our you know, uh, giving muscles are. They're not just to show off to each other, okay? There's a purpose for them, right? The purpose is, is that we have a mission that God's called us to. As a church, we have a mission, and as individuals, we're called to be representatives of Jesus in the world. And so, yes, we need our spiritual muscles to be developed and grown, but there's a reason behind it. There's a purpose. And so I just wanted to state that up front as we head into a series called Habits, where we're going to be trying to learn and grow in some of those disciplines. You know, the series that we're uh, moving into here is based on the resources that Jesus used to do his ministry. You know, Jesus, the son of God, 100% God, in the flesh walking among us, right? He had divine power. And yet, as, um, as the author of the four-chair um, four discipleship uh, book, Dan Spader, has uh, postulated, and I think I'd challenge you maybe as a good study to look into it, but he said, you know, Jesus did some amazing things. He performed miracles. Um, he forgave sins. He did a lot of amazing things. But he did not use his God card to do any of them. He accomplished them using the same resources that are available to you and I. And so uh, kind of amazing to think about that, that the resources Jesus used, you and I have available to us to accomplish the work God's called us to. I was talking to somebody last week and I said, yeah, Jesus forgave. You know, he did miracles. He healed people. So did his disciples. You know, he, he did everything. They did everything he did. And then I thought, but except for forgive sins. The disciples couldn't forgive sins. And then I'm studying for this message I read in John where actually he told his disciples, you can forgive sins too. <laughs> so really they were able to do everything he did. And I want you to know that um, as we worship this morning, the spirit of God is in this place. The spirit of God is in you if you've trusted Jesus as your savior. You are a walking temple of the Holy Spirit. And one of the resources, the first one we're looking at this week, is the Holy Spirit. Jesus was filled with the Spirit. He, um, his uh, um, coming into this world, having 
uh, a human form and being God and man was through the work of the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Spirit as he went out into the desert and was tempted. Um, And so Jesus did his work, much of his work here on earth, well, all of it, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you and I, as the scriptures teach us, and we're going to be looking at this morning, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. I think a lot of Christians, based on some of the things that are done in some churches, which can seem a little weird, a little spooky, a little crazy, there's a kind of a turnoff or repulsion a lot of people have to the Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit all about? Who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, How do I identify his presence? And so um, there's a reaction that can happen, and I think has happened in a little bit in in the church, in America anyway. But the truth is that I'm going to encourage you and really suggest this morning that without the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, you're not going to be able to live the Christian life as Jesus wants you to. Without recognizing and tapping into and really fueling the resource that is the Holy Spirit within you, you're going to fall short. You're going to perhaps reduce your faith to some good philosophy, some good moral teaching, a desire and attempt to become a better person, to follow some rules, to follow some rituals, and in doing so, you will kind of settle for that as what it means to be a Christian. And I want to suggest to you that that is far less than what Christianity is all about, what Jesus came to bring to us. Jesus came to bring the power of God to earth. Jesus offered the promise of this support in the person of the Holy Spirit. We we say the third person of the Trinity. He offered and promised his presence in our lives. John 14, verse 26, Jesus said, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. In other words, he's going to be a teacher to you. He's going to teach you and instruct you in your hearts and minds as to what the truth of God is. How is it that you should be living? And he's going to remind you of the things I said. The the Holy Spirit teaches and reminds us of the truth of God. My testimony goes this way, and some others in our church have shared similar testimonies of being in... Um, Awana, for instance, as kids and memorizing scripture before we really were following Jesus all in. And one of the things the Holy Spirit does when we make the decision to go all in and follow him is he uses those scriptures and brings them back to mind as a teacher to bring some conviction, to help with some direction. Um, I've heard Christians throughout the years sometimes say, you know, I haven't heard a lot of teaching on the Holy Spirit. What are we supposed to do? How, how are we supposed to understand the role the Holy Spirit plays? And I think, again, as I said, because of what some churches have done with the Holy Spirit and emphasizing living in the Spirit, that um, that's created a little bit of a pendulum swing in the other direction where some churches are just not as engaged in teaching and discovering and working on living in, in and through the power of the Spirit. And so there's a little bit of a, oh, that's a little touchy-feely the Holy Spirit. It's kind of emotional feeling. Those people that are really emotional, they're really into the Holy Spirit. 
And uh, there can be some of those thoughts. And so some churches, again, in a sense of um, the subjective nature of the Holy Spirit and the supernatural realm and the fact that we live in Western culture and we like the rational, we like philosophy and logic and reason, supernatural things can take the back seat sometimes in our faith. And yet I want to encourage you, again, to not examine, explore, and, uh, and learn to live out the supernatural is to reduce our faith to some good philosophies, good moral teaching that creates some behavioral changes in us. We're trying to become better people. Listen, God didn't save you just so you become a better person. <laughs> he saved you in part to infuse into you supernatural power so that you are not just a human being walking this earth, but you have the power of God dwelling within you to exemplify and to live out and to show others and to do things that you cannot do with some good philosophy and good moral teaching. There is divine supernatural power available to us and we must open our hearts and minds to that reality and engage. As scary as it may be, as uncertain and nervous as it, makes, it may make some of us feel, it's absolutely essential that we walk into this. And so I want to help us today engage the topic and the idea and, the, and what our role in is as we try to interact with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, as I said, came to bring a different kind of connection with God. The connection that folks had in the Old Testament with God certainly was spiritual and supernatural, but it was not the same as the kind of connection we can have with the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. They were able to interact with God, but much of it felt as though they were really trying to follow the law, a list of rules, and to live a certain way without the power of God helping them to transform them. And, uh, and so there's a different relationship, a different interaction with God that Jesus brought through the new covenant. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come on individuals to empower them and to equip them for particular jobs and particular roles. But Jesus came establishing the new covenant in his blood through his sacrifice. And with this new covenant, Jesus offered a different kind of baptism, a different kind of spiritual encounter with the living God. And so when Jesus came, he brought literally spiritual power with him that could be infused into the lives of his followers. One of the reasons is because Jesus baptized with the Holy Spirit. He baptized with the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 3, starting verse 11, we see John the Baptist speaking to this point. John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. <laughs> it's intense. <laughs> he said, uh, you know, John's baptism, a baptism by water for repentance, very, very important. But it was with the idea of the preparation of the people to receive the power of God, the purification. That's what fire brings. It purifies, right? You're going to get baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You're going to experience the power of God entering your life. 
baptism in the Spirit or of the Spirit holds with it the idea of being filled up with the Spirit. Being filled. It's something that some churches, as I said, set apart and teach on as kind of a distinctive aspect of the faith. In other words, being baptized in the Spirit is something that happens to you separate from the normal pattern of just becoming a disciple of Jesus, following him, making a decision to trust in him. I think that this baptism, which really is reference to being filled by the Spirit, is something that we all can experience and are supposed to. And really, if we understand how we go about being filled with the Spirit, it can take away some of the mystery and the hocus pocus, a little bit of that, from it. It really is something that you and I can engage and are supposed to be doing on a daily basis. In the New Testament, the evidence of the Holy Spirit's presence in a person's life did have to do with some kind of sign, some supernatural thing, like they could speak in tongues. A lot of times that was the evidence that the Holy Spirit was there that the early church looked at. But in our day, and also in the New Testament, there was a movement beyond just that expression of the Spirit to some more powerful and profound manifestations of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And those are the ones I want to give you this morning because all of us can measure where we're at at being filled with the Spirit by what the Scripture teaches us are the real indicators that He is in our lives and that he's working in us, and that we're responding to his presence. So two things I think that are important in this is, one is that you do, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to live your life for Jesus. Secondly, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit at the moment you trust Christ. What we're really going to focus on this morning is, how do we become filled with the Spirit? That's one of the aspects of gaining the power and the victory and the presence, the confidence and courage that God wants us to have to live this life in and through the Spirit of God. In order to access the resource that is the Holy Spirit in our lives, first we must allow him, listen, this is an important first step, we've got to allow him to take control in our lives. You cannot be filled with the Spirit. You can have the Spirit living within you, but the Bible talks about quenching the Spirit. We can deny His presence and influence in our lives. We can diminish the power He has in us, which will only weaken our faith, weaken us as the representatives of a God in the world that we're supposed to be. We're not going to live a powerful life if we're denying, if we're diminishing, if, we're, um, if we are uh, rejecting the Holy Spirit's influence. So that's the opposite of what we should be doing. We should be surrendering to the presence of God in our lives. As we surrender to the Holy Spirit, each time he tries to teach us, instruct us, empower us, as we surrender to him, each time he is trying to work in our lives, we really are allowing him to take control. This is the essence, one of the keys, the absolute center key of living for God in this world. Surrendering control. And the truth is, the transition of power in your life and mine needs to move to where you are literally to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. You are to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, um, starting verse 9, goes this way. But you are not controlled by 
by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. In parentheses, he says, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. If the Holy Spirit's not present in your life, you don't belong to God. You haven't yet been saved. When you put your trust in Christ and you say, Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God, that you died on the cross for me, and I'm placing my trust in you, that your death and your sacrifice paid for my sins, that you died and you rose again on the third day, proving and evidencing that you are the son of God. That moment that I put my faith and trust in him, the Bible says the spirit enters me. And Paul goes, if you don't have the spirit, that hasn't happened yet. He goes on to say this, and Christ lives within you, so even, even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. That's that. You've been justified. Your sins have been washed away. You've been once and for all forgiven. The Spirit of God, he goes on to say, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. You're not controlled by your sin nature anymore. You're controlled by the Holy Spirit. That requires, as I said, surrender. What does life in the spirit or life controlled by the Holy Spirit look like? Well, first of all, it's free from condemnation. We read in Romans 8 in the first couple of verses that there isn't any longer condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When you put your trust in Jesus, no longer do you stand condemned before God. In other words, there's no fear of judgment anymore. That position that you have once you've trusted in Christ cannot, does not change. And so there is no condemnation. So a person who's following Jesus at times I run into Christians that are feeling condemned. They're feeling like their sin identifies who they are. Listen, this is kind of tricky, but you got to understand this. We all are wrestling with sin. We come to trust in Jesus. And part of what we're talking today is this surrender to God and this transition of power from ourselves to God. That's part of how we gain victory over sin. And we begin to live a holy life like God wants us to. But this transition of power takes a little time. And so I will still battle with sin. You will battle with sin. And it's easy at times for us. One of the things the devil loves to do is he comes in after you have blown it. And he says, see, that's who you are. That's who you still are. You're still that person that you were before. You're never going to get victory over this. Nothing's ever going to change. You're going to keep wrestling. See, you're still that sinner. That's condemnation. Condemnation comes from the enemy. All right? Here's what the Holy Spirit does. Holy Spirit brings conviction. Conviction says, I have done wrong and I need to make it right. I need to move towards God. I need to repent, right? I need to confess and repent and move back in the right direction. Conviction always pulls us towards God. Condemnation will make us want to run and hide. And so we live free from condemnation if we're living life in the spirit. Secondly, we're free from the power of sin and of our sin nature. <clears throat> we now are free to obey God and to do good. There's a freedom that comes 
when we trust in Christ and the Spirit enters our lives, where we're separated, our sin nature is literally cut away from, our, from ourselves, and we now have the ability to choose to do good. Next, we live as children of God. We see ourselves not as how we see ourselves, not how others see us, not how the condemner sees us, but we see ourselves as God sees us. Once we trust in Christ, I had a good friend um, who would always, um, there's that great song, you know, I'm a child of the one true God, and he loved that song, and he just would start crying every time he sang it because he's like, man, that's who I am. I don't feel worthy of that. I don't feel like that's what I deserve, but that's who God says I am. I am his child, and my identity is based on what he says about me and nothing else. And then there's an affirmation of salvation, as this passage indicates, that the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life, living life in and through his power, is part of the confirmation that I have in assurance of salvation, that I belong to God. Life in the Spirit, life controlled by the Spirit, leads to life, leads to health, leads to goodness. Life controlled by our sin nature is altogether different. We think about sinful things. We're motivated towards doing and fueling our sin nature, our sinful desires. So sexual immorality we struggle with at times, greed, selfishness, jealousy, selfish ambition, making myself look good, self-gratification. All of these things are self-motivated and they lead, the Bible says, to spiritual death. It can lead to me getting everything I want in this life and making myself the center of the universe. And so I may experience everything I want in this life, but spiritually, I am being led towards death. As we follow God, as we choose to put our trust in him and follow him, this process of disconnecting and surrendering our selfish desires and embracing the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and what he's trying to teach us and, and working and working at being filled with the Spirit leads to life and peace. And so we want to develop a habit or habits that help us get filled with the Spirit. What can we do in our lives? Because the truth is we need to walk out each and every day. We need to start in the morning. We need to walk throughout the day. We need to end the night surrendering our power and control over to God. Your power and living out and acting out of your power, maintaining control is going to um, lessen your spiritual power and it will fuel your own self, your ego, who you are. But surrendering to God and to his presence and power will lead to spiritual, spiritual strength and spiritual growth. D.L. Moody, famous preacher from the 1800s who had a huge impact in our country, started Moody Bible Institute, continues to this day, had tremendous impact um, in our country. He said these words, I believe firmly that the moment our hearts are emptied of pride and selfishness, and ambition and everything that is contrary to God's law. The Holy Spirit will fill every corner of our hearts. But if we're full of pride, conceit, and ambition, and the world, there's no room for the Spirit of God in us. We must be emptied before we can be filled. Surrendering your own will to God's will 
is a beginning point of being filled with the Spirit. That's one of the ways in which we initiate the filling is that we surrender, surrender, surrender. Got to say no first before we can say yes. Saying no to sin patterns is a beginning point. That denial of self. Remember Jesus said, anyone wants to be my disciple, they must what? Deny themselves. Take up their cross daily and follow me. As you surrender control, as you quit arm wrestling with God over who's going to run things, and you surrender control to him, there's a reality. It can feel a little scary. Not you, but maybe your neighbor. Some of us are a little control freaks, right? Get a little nervous and anxious when things are out of control. I know it can be hard to surrender control to God. Here's the good news, that God is not going to run your life off the cliff. In fact, if you try to hang on to the steering wheel, you might do that. But God will steer your life in the right direction. You will gain the things you really need. As you surrender control, you allow God to influence you more and more. What you're going to begin to um, practice as you surrender control is you're going to begin to practice that filling of the Holy Spirit. See, you are to be filled with the Spirit. You are to be filled up with the Spirit. Ephesians 5 Follow along as I read a few verses out of Ephesians 5 that give us some direction on this. Starting in verse 15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thoughtfulness, wisdom is required. We live in a day where we have access to more content than we've ever had. You have more things flooding into your mind than any generation has ever had, I think, in the history of the world. It's incredible the amount of content that you can take in in a day. I know guys that are listening to stuff all day, podcasts, music, whatever, all day long. There's a lot of us that take in a lot of content. Paul says in Ephesians, be wise. Be wise about what you expose yourself to. You are to be filled with the Spirit, not filled with the Spirit of the world. <laughs> not filled with the Spirit of the Antichrist, which is going to work against your desire to follow God and to be filled with His presence and power. So be wise. Don't be foolish. Don't say, oh, that doesn't have a negative. Oh, that, that doesn't affect me. That doesn't really, there's really nothing negative there. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just music or it's just entertainment. <laughs> um, everything has spiritual nature to it. Creativity comes out of the heart. And when people create, they create out of who they are. And so you're gonna get some of who they are when you listen to their creativity. Is it the spirit of God, right? Is it truth? Is it right? Is it good? Or is it a spirit that's gonna lead your heart and mind away from God? It's important. It's important. You need to be wise. You need to think about these things and consider 
what we're taking in because what we take in begins to fuel what's gonna grow in us, right? You have a power in your life to be filled with the Spirit. And it starts with, in a, lot, in a large part, what is it that I'm thinking about? What is it that I'm focusing on? Some things I see in this passage that can fuel being filled by the Spirit. One of them he talks about is worship. He goes, be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. And so the wine thing is an example of being controlled by something where a spirit, remember, you know, they used to call it, um, used to call them spirits, right? Because it seemed like you were possessed, right? If you drank too much. And so that control that takes over us turns us into somebody else, something else. We do things that if we were in our right mind, we wouldn't do. He's saying, listen, don't be controlled by that spirit. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Fill your life up with the presence of God. Fuel yourself. Energize the presence of the Holy Spirit within you. Listen to him. Follow him and input into your life things that are encouraging you and encouraging his voice. Don't diminish his voice, but enhance it. The next thing he talks about sort of at the end is giving thanksgiving or being thankful. And I think uh, a thankful heart, um, as VeggieTales used to teach us, a thankful heart's a grateful heart, right? Do not diminish the importance of walking with an attitude of thankfulness towards God. Being focused on the blessings of God. You can and will at times see your marriage and perhaps your spouse as a negative. Or you can continue to be thankful for the person God's put in your life, his provision to you. This is the way we live our lives. We either complain and moan about the things that we have around us or we're thankful for them. Do not diminish the importance of a thankful heart and being thankful to God as to the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Control those things. You can have a focus on them. Many people listen to and consume content to energize or motivate them, to fuel their own motivation, their own courage, their own drive. Self-help is what that's called. It enhances your own power. But Holy Spirit help will enhance your spiritual power. D.L. Moody, again, speaking to a large audience once, he took a glass and he said, how do I get the air out of this glass? And somebody said, well, put a vacuum pump on it and suck the air out of it, and that'll empty it of the air. He said, yeah, that'll create a vacuum. It'll break the glass. Just emptying ourselves without filling ourselves with the right thing can bring destruction to us. But he finally, after asking, letting them struggle a little bit, he took a pitcher of water and poured the water into the glass. He said, there you go. The air is gone. It's been replaced by the water. We need, you need to take in more of what is going to fuel and fill you up with the presence of God. He's already there, but you have to energize his presence. You have to take in truth. A lot of people think the Holy Spirit is just uh, uh, related to their feelings. And so if they feel a certain way, well, that's the Holy Spirit talking to me. The problem is the Holy Spirit is never going to make you feel good about something that's sin, okay? It's not going to happen. It's not how the Holy Spirit works. To attach the Holy Spirit just to our feelings is extremely shallow and actually will lead us the wrong direction. That's what new age spirituality looks like. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit may affect and impact your feelings, 
but he's going to speak truth that lines up with scripture into your life. A lot of people have told me, I feel a peace about this, so I know that's the Holy Spirit. To that I say, the Holy Spirit is never, hardly ever, have I felt peace about something the Holy Spirit was telling me to do. I usually feel uncomfortable, and uh, like it's the last direction I want to go. Please, God, no, you know. But I know that's part of how I've grown to discover and to discern, because it is the right direction. It's a direction that's in obedience with what God wants me to do. You may not feel great and excited about sharing Christ with somebody that God's put in your life. You may feel nervous and anxious. And if you're running off your feelings are the Holy Spirit, you might say, well, no, God doesn't want me to do that. I guarantee God wants you to do that. <laughs> and so you may feel uncomfortable at the prompting and direction of the Holy Spirit. That's normal. So we've got to be careful about how we discern the Holy Spirit's presence, his voice, when he's speaking to us. But we're supposed to be filled with the Spirit. So we've got to make sure that what, what is coming into us is in line with the truth and is going to fuel the presence of the Holy Spirit, his voice in our lives. The truth is that when you're full of the Spirit, you ooze good from your heart. As we talked about, some people want to evaluate the presence of the Holy Spirit by some dynamic, expressive gifts and expressions. I think Galatians 5.22 gives us a really good evaluation as to whether or not the Holy Spirit is effective in our lives and whether we're filled with his presence, whether we're following him. This is what Galatians 5.22 and 23 say, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, it's like moral character, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. I don't know many Christians that struggle with whether or not this is a good list of how they should be living, the kind of things that should be coming out of their life. The struggle is how do I see that happen? How do I become a person that's kind to people when I'm really just angry under the surface? How do I get self-control when I just, uh, I'm just impulsive? I seem like I, I do stuff all the time. I don't necessarily want to do it, but I can't stop it. How do I do that? I guarantee you that just having what you're supposed to do in front of you and trying to do it really hard is not the answer. Our Celebrate Recovery ministry starts off with surrender. It's the first step. We're going to let God work in us to bring this fruit out of our lives. We've got to surrender to him and fill ourselves with his presence. This list of attributes, characteristics, they're all good. Can I guarantee you, guarantee you that your ambition in life, where you're trying to head, you want to be successful, you want to make it, you want to make something of your life, if you would live out these attributes in your life, I can guarantee you will succeed. You'll go farther than you ever thought you would. But if you don't have these and you just have ambition and selfishness, it's going to be much harder to get where you want to go in life, to make it, to advance. God wants to put into you a character that represents him. The way in which that happens is as we are filled with the Holy Spirit. You've got to make a habit of putting yourself in a place where you can take in what's going to help you be filled with the Spirit. One of the concepts of being filled with the Spirit in the Scriptures is um, the idea of a sponge being filled up. And uh, how does a sponge get full of whatever we put it into, water in this case? Well, we've got to put it in the water and immerse it, and then we've got to squeeze the air out. 
That's kind of like denying myself. And as I allow it to take its shape back, it pulls in the water. And what happens? I don't even have to squeeze it. (laughs) It just oozes water. It can't help it. It's what it's full of. Are we living our lives in such a way to ensure that we're being filled up with the Holy Spirit? Moody, once again, um, was going to have a large campaign over in England, and there was an elderly pastor that said, what a, what a, what's the deal with this Moody? Why do we need him? He's uneducated, inexperienced. Who does he think he is anyway? Does he think he has a corner, a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? To which a younger pastor stood up and said, no, he doesn't have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on him. Does the Holy Spirit have a monopoly, a monopoly on your life? Are you continuing to walk in surrender? Saying, God, I want to surrender. I want to, I want to come under your authority, your leadership. I want you to lead me. I want to follow you. I want to have the fruit of your presence come out in my life. It happens as we make habits of putting ourselves in places where the work of the Holy Spirit, his voice, is amplified in our life, where we're being filled up with him. And when we are, and when we walk that way through life, you will not be able to help but drip God onto the people around you. They will experience him through your presence. God, thank you for your goodness to us and the call that you place on our lives to be filled up with you. We cannot believe that you make yourself available to us. The God of the universe, who created all things, who is over all, who is holy and pure, you come and dwell within us. God, would you help us to build habits into our lives that keep us energized with your presence, that keep us filled up with your influence, first and foremost, that will push out the influences of the world that bring destruction to us, that work against the life we want to live. God, help us to be filled up with your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.